Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode. Well, look, let me ask you a quick question. You know, have you ever, have you ever found something that you were so good at that you said, man, you know what, I was, I was born for this, like Joe did. I mean, he found jazz, and he said, you know what, I was, I was born for this. His, his dad had taken him to a jazz club, and he had figured out from an early age that he knew what it was that he wanted to do. But I venture to say that's probably not all of our testimony in here this morning. Amen? In fact, I think many of us are probably still asking the question this morning, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I know what I'm waking up to every day, but is the life that I'm living the life that I always wanted to live? Am I doing the thing that I'm passionate about? What am I chasing each and every day? Am I doing something that means something? Does it have purpose? Uh, Do I have the job that I like, the family I want, the friends that I'd like to have? I mean, many of us have woken up this morning probably with more questions than we have answers. For me, as a high school senior about to graduate, I told my dad, you know what, dad, I think I, I found the thing I, I think I want to do. I think I want to go to Bible college and, and be a pastor. And my dad looked at me. He said, son, you need to go to school and get a real job. Sorry, Pastor John. I'm just like, But I looked at him, and I was a little confused, and I was a little frustrated with his answer because at that point in my life as a 17-year-old, I had surely figured out what my life was going to be about. I was going to do this, and this is what I should do, and I was born to do that, right? I mean, at 17, I had all the answers, so I thought. So I followed what Sergeant Major Goodrich said because my dad was in the Air Force, and what he said that happened in our household, at least. We didn't argue with him. So I went to college, went to ODU, shouts out to any monarchs in the house, real quick, not knowing what in the world I was going to do. End up majoring in engineering, not because I love engineering. I'm a mechanical engineer today, not because I love it. Okay? But I'm good at math and science. So it just happened to be something that I did. But I'm pretty sure that I'm not alone. I know that there are others that are just like me. Maybe you're in high school trying to figure out what you're going to do next year when you graduate, or you're in college or just graduated college wondering, do I want to really do this the rest of my life? Or maybe you're in the workforce right now and you're considering changing careers. Hey, somebody. But many of us are still asking those questions every day. What is it that I'm going to do with our life? Why? Because there's so much uncertainty about what's around the corner. We just don't really quite know what's around the the corner, what tomorrow will bring. And it's easy to embrace all of the uncertainty that comes with um, life missing out, the fear of missing out, or even failing. One thing is true is that we just don't seem to have all the answers in Somehow, each and every one of you would agree with me that we want our lives to count and matter. 
Amen? Somehow I want my life to count and matter. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for blessing us to be able to see it. We thank you for your presence this morning, Lord God, because your word says where your presence is, Lord God. There is liberty, Lord God, and there are pleasures forevermore, Lord God. We pray that you speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, Lord God, our situations and circumstances. Encourage us today, Lord God. Clean up where we need cleaning up, Lord God. Tear down where we need to be torn down, Lord God. Build us up, Lord God, where we need it, Father God. We thank you and we glorify you, Father, for there's none like you. May we be forever changed from an encounter for you, with you, Lord God. Let your word come forth with power, truth, and in conviction. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Many of us want our lives to count and we want our lives to matter. But how many of y'all know that sometimes making it count somehow turns into how much can I count? Somebody say amen. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. Right, I mean, when I finally graduated college and got my first taste of a paycheck and was able to afford McDonald's more than once or twice a week and I was offered them ramen noodles, I somehow discovered the insatiable appetite of wanting more. See, it's one thing when you feel like you can't get more, but it's a whole lot when you can get more and now you feel like you need and you want more, amen? I mean, I had a good car, but somehow I felt like I needed a better car. You know, I lived in, 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 in a, a decent place, but I felt like I, I needed a, a, a better place. I had a car that was all right, it was paid for, but I felt like I needed to go get a new car. I mean, I had one girlfriend, but I felt like, hold up, I ain't do that. I ain't do that. I've been with Mrs. Goodrich for 23 years. Praise God, ever since we were 17 years, Old, been with Mrs. Goodrich and celebrating 17 and a half years of good marriage. Huh? That's my good thing over there. I love Mrs. Goodrich. She was the one thing that didn't change in my life. I'm appreciative for that. Else, I would have been up there on the, on, in the movie Soul. It would have been me popping out the pizzas and not Joe Gardner up there. But see, I'm pretty sure some of us can agree and can, can relate to wanting to have more. Right? The Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, they, God gave them manna. And manna literally means, what is it? Right? God gave them something to eat, but they found themselves throughout those years of being in the desert, desiring and wanting meat. Somehow they're in the desert where they can't grow crops, but, but somehow they wanted meat and they longed for Egypt where they could get the meat. Have you ever wanted something so bad that it was in the place that you knew you shouldn't go to get it? You see, that's much like what the Word of God says. It says that death and destruction are never satisfied, and so is a person's eyes. They are never satisfied. It should surprise us that God compares the lust of and appetite of our eyes to that of hell and destruction. You ever seen a, a teenager eat, 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 and after they finish, they eat some more, and somehow they're hungry, and it's like they're a bottomless pit. It's like, where in the world are you putting all of this food? Ever seen that before? Probably been that person before, huh? We sit there and we wonder, where is it? And, and, and the thing is, is that our eyes are never satisfied. Whatever we see, we want. And that's such like the things of hell and destruction. It, they are never, ever full and always open to more to destroy. 
You know, how many times have we gotten in trouble for just taking a look at something? It started out with the look. It's not the look. It's what we do after the look that, that, that gets us in trouble. You see, you see this kind of starts from the time that we're kids. The world defines for us what success in the good life looks like. And it's reinforced when we are adults. We see other, we, 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 we decide that we want possessions. I want a big house, a nice car. We want things. We see things and we want them. We want power and prestige and fame and celebrity. We want the life that we see people live on TV. To be clear, this is not what God considers success, wealth, or greatness. Remember Jesus' response to the disciples when they were having an argument about who would be great in the kingdom of heaven. He looks at them and he says, look, the greatest of you will be the servant of all. In Matthew 23, 11, Jesus, the very son of God, takes the role of a servant, a slave, and washes the feet of his disciples, something that he was definitely way above but puts himself in the place of as an example to his disciples that they should be servants and not rule over those that would follow them one day. Remember the parable of the rich fool who had spent his life gathering things for himself only to lose it. What profits a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Why is this important? Because the concept of more simply tries to shape and mold our lives to ultimately claim it. So if, this, if the world's view of rich isn't God's view of rich, then why in the world am I here? And what in the world am I doing with this life? Well, the first thing we have to recognize that more ain't it. More ain't it. It ain't working. And... Some things we got to unlearn. Tell your neighbor, we got to unlearn some things. We got to unlearn some things. What does God say about our lives and the lives that we should live? Isaiah 43, 7 says, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It is I who created them. God creates us and creates us for his what? His glory. It is him that creates us for his glory, for his splendor, its majesty, it's God that creates us. And, and, and through our lives and the lives that we have, it is meant to bring honor to God. Colossians 1, 16 tells us that for through him, that him being Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. It is he that made the things that we can see with our eyes and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything that was created was created through him and, and what? For him. God has created everything for him. When Pastor Christian talked about how God has made earth, it's the world that is in God's hands. is God that changes the seasons. It's him that keeps the earth tilted on its axis and rotates around the sun. Is God that makes sure that the seasons pass. It's God that has done all of these things. And Romans 1.20 tells us that forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything that God has made. They can clearly see his what? Invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. Truly, this lets us know that all creation is made for this purpose. That our lives are proof of his love, nature, 
and God's power, that God may be seen and known. You are specifically made for him and by him for his purpose, his glory, and for God's plan. See, we like to lay claim to ownership, and we like, like we claim ownership for things that we don't necessarily start and didn't create. You know how you ever been? Have you ever been on a uh, on a project with some people, and it was a group project, but you was the only one that did all of the work, and that your partner get up and they get the same A that you got that you earned, and they like to sit up there and everybody clap. They take yeah, thank you for my project, but you ain't do nothing. That's really kind of like the life that we live. We like to act like our lives belong to us, like we it is us that created our lives when we don't understand fully how our lives were even made or how we got here. You see, our lives are really gifts from God, and they really belong to him. They were made by him and for him. If you disagree with me this morning, that's okay. But let me ask you something. Try to make someone who is dying live. Trying to help a, help go help out a married couple struggling to have a child, help them get pregnant, make them make them get pregnant. You see, the truth of the matter is, is that we can't because we don't have the power to create life. Sure, we understand how babies are made, but we don't understand how a soul is created. You see, it's his life, it's his life that is lived through us. Your life and my life comes through, it comes through and from him. It doesn't belong to us, but it's our life to live. So if, if it is God's life and it's not my own, then that means I'm merely a steward and I should live my life the way that he would want me to live it, since it really doesn't belong to me anyway. Somebody say amen. You see, we do have free will, and you may say, I can live my life how I want to, and that may be somewhat true. Yes, but free will does not constitute ownership. And see, the world will trick you into, and try to convince you that your life is the way that you can, is yours and that you can live your life the way it is that you want to. But consequently, because of that, there are so many that are out here in the world and even in the church that live and wake up every day aimlessly looking through life, trying to figure it out. And unfortunately, that's left so many of us broken, chasing dreams, chasing gains, chasing our 401K, chasing things that will make us happy. It's left some of us hopeless. It's left some of us depressed when things didn't go out the way we wanted. It's left some of us overworked trying to achieve it's left some of us in debt buying stuff we don't need. It's left some of us suicidal when people have left us. And some of us has just left us plain old lost. You see, darkness and confusion ensue when we function outside of the will of God. It's like eating cereal with a fork. Nobody eats cereal with a fork. You eat noodles with a fork. You eat cereal with the spoon. Any kind of spoon. Guarantee you if one of your kids or, or, or friends pull a fork out for some cereal, you're going to look at them a little confused. What you doing? That don't go right there. That thing is not used for that what? Purpose. You see, somehow we've mistaken the things that we do 
and possess as our reason for living rather than seeing life as the sum of experiences to discover, one, who God is, and two, to serve his purpose. But I tell you that it's God that created you this morning, and it is God that loves you, and it is God that specifically made you for his glory and for his purpose. Your life is his life, and it belongs to him. Let's take Joe, for instance. Joe found his identity in jazz. Jazz Identity means the characteristics that define or make up what a person or place or thing is. Joe thought he was born to play. He recognized that from an early age. He said in the movie, it's all I think about in the morning. And my whole life is centered around jazz. It wasn't just something that he did. It was something, it was who he was. He was everything that is jazz. It inspired him. It moved him. Man, his profession was centered around the thing that he loved each and every day. And sometimes, have you ever ran into people who appear like they got everything figured out? Like they just know what it is that they want to do, just like Joe? Don't them people make you sick? This is what I'm doing, Dwayne. I was built for this. I was made to help these kids. I was made to engineer. When I get up, I put the, I was putting Legos together when I was a kid. I just knew I was going to build stuff. You get on my nerves. Because that's not my testimony. I done built them Legos, and now I'm, I can't find my Legos. I did this thing, and now I don't want to do that no more. Somehow I don't have all of those answers that they have, and, and it's easy to feel like there's something wrong with you because you don't have all of the answers, but maybe it is that they apparently have got it wrong too. You see, it's not that they were made for the thing that they're doing. It's just something that they do. It's not who they are. You see, your identity is not caught up in fill in the blank. What defines you is not caught up in your job. What defines you is not caught up in your status. Yes, you can go from single to married to whatever on Facebook. It's not caught up in your status. It's not caught up in how many people that know you and how many likes you get. It's not caught up in your clothes and how good you smell and what you ride and your music and your profession and your kids. Or It's not caught up in being married or having a diploma or your ministry. It's not caught up in all of those things. Why? Because what happens when those things disappear? Do you lose your value and your sense of self-worth because that thing is no longer in your life? And the truth of the matter, some of us, if we're honest today, we can say, yeah, I've been depressed and I've been downtrodden at times because I've lost that person. I've lost that job. I've lost that, I've lost that status. I've lost that friend. Oh, we can clap for that. We'll say, I've been, I've, been, I've been depressed because I've lost that particular thing in my life, but it should be more troubling that the absence of that person, place, or thing has left us so broken and empty. Maybe we thought maybe too much of our own identity was wrapped up in them. Maybe too much of our identity was wrapped up in that thing I was doing or that, or that job I had. And maybe God had to remove it so that he could make some room for him. Amen, somebody. Catch it on your way home. 
You see, when you think that that's all you are, you hold on to it for dear life, even unto death. Some of us have held on to bad relationships and some bad habits and some bad things because we have allowed those things to define who it is that we are. And if we don't have that thing, then we can't find self-worth and self-value because that thing has now de devoured us. But I'm telling you that you are so much more than that thing, whether you have it or not, not because I said it, but because God said it. The the person that God made you. It is God that calls you friend. It is God that is the lover of your soul. It is God that knit and shaped and molded you in the womb. The word of God tells us that he knew us before putting the foundation of the earth together. It is God that knew us, created us, and made us. How in the world could a thing define you when God made you? How could that be so? I tell you, it's God that made us specifically for him and for his glory. Only the creator can give creation identity. And until we allow God to give us identity, surely we will be lost trying to find it in a world that does not have the answer. You see, I've heard people say that life is a destination. Huh? Y'all heard that, 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 what's that song go? If, if, if life is a highway, come on, I want to ride it all night long. Huh? I like that second part. I'll be like, baby, you're going my way. I want to get on the road where Mrs. Goodrich is. You see, but life is not a destination. Life is a, it's a highway. Life is a, it's a, it's in the journey. It's not in, in the end. It's, it's in the journey. You see, and this starts when we're, we're kids. We often ask kids, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? Y'all remember that question? I wanted to be an astronaut. Won't sure if I could fit the suit, but I wanted to be an astronaut. Can you remember the answer that you would give? And even so, would your answer still be the same? If not, what happened? Somebody said it. Life. Life happened. I know that's true. My wife was dead set on not having any kids until we got about 29, 30 years old. And somehow God dropped two kids off on us early in our mid-20s. We know how they got here, but we ain't really sure how they got here. God didn't send us no email, no text, no call, no Facebook messenger. He didn't send none of that. They just dropped off and were like, here, here we are. Boom, life happened. Life happened. And what do you do when life doesn't work out the way that you think that it is going to work out? Proverbs 16, 9 says that the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord, somebody say the Lord establishes his steps. Joe's career as a musician was very inconsistent. It was very inconsistent, and he ended up as a band teacher, a middle school band teacher. That was not Joe's plan when Joe walked up in the club and knew what it was that he wanted to do with his life. As a teenager, Joseph had a dream that one day he would rule and that his brothers would bow down to him. Them same brothers was jealous and was like, uh-uh, we're going to sell your butt into slavery. Again, not the plan that Joseph had. Yet their journey built them into the person that they became. 
and God somehow used their experiences for his own purpose and his plan. See, we focus on the destination. We always trying to get to the end, but God is focused on the journey. He's focusing on what he's building you up to be along the way. If you've ever been on vacation with young people in the car on a road trip, you probably heard the question, somebody know what I'm talking about. Are we there yet? It's a 10-hour drive. I told you that before we got in the car. We only one hour into the drive. We left at 2, it's 3, and you're asking me, are we there yet? Are we out the car? No, we're not out there. We're not there yet. Young people are always trying to get there and get there quick. It's almost as if you can't have fun or get excited or have life until you get to the place where you're going. But see, older people don't think like that. Older people say, son, enjoy the ride. And you know who taught me this was my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law, we were trying, she wanted to plan a trip to Minnesota to go see the Mall of America. And she said, Dwayne, is a 14-hour drive. I said, Lord Jesus, no, it's not. No, it's not. She said, I don't understand. Why don't you, you want to get in the car and you want to go? I said, how quick can we do 14 hours? I'll, let me check the flights. Let me check the flights because I need a few hours. She said, no, I like to get in the car, and I like to go and stop at some places. If I see stuff, I like to go and get out the car and look at it. I said, you want to take extra time to get there? She said, yeah, I want to enjoy my trip. And I'm sitting here thinking like, well, I want to enjoy the trip. I just want to get there. Can anybody relate? I'm 40 years old. Clearly, I was still thinking, are we there yet? But see, we get so focused on the, the, the getting to the end that we miss the experience of life. We miss the significance of our journey. And somehow we, we need to learn that it's not the start or the finish that's the most significant. It's everything in the middle that matters. Tell your neighbor, it's in the middle that matters. Why? Because that's where we find God. You find God in the middle. At the beginning, you think it's you. At the end, you reflect. But it's in the middle that you discover. You discover in the middle. You discover God's holiness, who he is and who you are in reference to him. You discover that God is righteousness, that righteous, that everything that God does is right, and he does it the right way. You discover that God is loving as much as you have done and I have done, that he still welcomes us with open arms. You discover that God is faithful when we walk away, that he comes looking and chasing after us. You discover this in the middle, not at the not at the beginning and not at the end. It is in the middle where you discover. It's in the middle where you learn how to overcome. It's in the middle where you find purpose. And it's in the middle where you learn how to survive and learn how to live. It's in the middle where we discover the joys of life. You see, nobody watches a two-hour movie because the first five minutes were good. Amen, somebody. Nobody sits through the whole two-hour movie to get to the five-minute ending. And if it's a Hallmark movie, you already know how it's going to end. In the first five minutes, now you got to sit and, 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 and ask yourself, are you going to sit through the other hour and a half? But why do we watch the movie? Because the story was good. The, the story was good. 
It's in the middle where you see the story, where the plot thickens. It's in the middle where plans sometimes go awry. It's in the middle where the hero is challenged, where the odds look insurmountable. A lot just like life. She understand. And you tell yourself, I had a plan, and sure, that's all good, but Proverbs 19, 21 says, you can make many plans. Somebody say many plans. But the Lord's purpose will prevail. Joe's story sent him to the great before to mentor number 22, an unborn soul bent on avoiding life. Joe, out of his body trying to get back in, she don't want to go get in a body. They decide to work together. He'll help her get her earth pass so he can go back and she can stay where she is. But somehow, he gets stuck in a cat. And she gets stuck in his body. Again, not their plan. You see, what happens when your life story is seemingly derailed? Tell your neighbor, wait. Wait. Have faith. Trust God. Move forward. Repeat. Wait. Have faith. Trust God. Move forward and then repeat. Why? Because Isaiah 40, 31 tells us that, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. New strength. And all of us have gone through trials and tribulations and circumstances that are, have been hard on us. But when we wait on God, we're able to tap into the strength that God has. We're able to tap into the courage that God has, the wisdom that God has. That's the, that is the source of life and the source of strength to help you to get through those things that you're sitting there saying, I don't know how I got through. Somehow God made a way. I've seen God move a mountain, and I believe that God will move it again. And some of us in here have seen God move mountains. I'm telling you that if you wait on God, God will give you the strength to face your trial, to face your tribulation, and not just that, but to overcome. The Word says that they will soar like wings like eagles. God gives us the ability to live life above our circumstances, to live life from the inside out and not the outside in, to have joy that comes from having relationship with God, knowing who he is rather than to live your life to be happy. Happy is based off of it. The sun is shining. But if you got joy in your life, every time you see a day, you can smile whether it's raining, sunny outside, or overcast. It doesn't matter. You saw the day. You blessed and are happy to see it. It's God that helps us to live life from the inside out. They will run and not grow weary. God gives you the ability to endure and to persevere and make it to the end of the story. And that it tells us that they will walk and not faint. It's the Lord that helps us to make it because surely the strength that we have is just not enough. Wait. Have faith. Trust God. Move forward. Repeat. Look, God does not purposely set us up to be hurt or to be abused. Our lives are primarily the result of the choices that we've made and the impact of the choices of others along the way. But God is faithful in the midst of our mistakes, our downfalls, and our failures. And if we agree with him, his plan will prevail in our lives no matter what life takes us. 
And I understand right now that for some of us, life just ain't that great. We are still in the middle of a pandemic. Some of us are still trying to figure out how to make ends meet. Some of us are currently dealing with depression. Some of us are working harder than we've ever worked before. Some of us are angry about where we are. And some of us have even thought about giving up on life. But I want to encourage you to hang in there. The life that God has given you, it is not over yet. God is faithful. If you are wake up and your eyes are open, you are still yet in the middle of your story. You are not at the end. Look, your life was meant to bring glory to God. The fact that you even have life today, it honors God in and of itself. And Satan would love to steal, kill, and destroy you. Why? Because your life is an indicator of God's love, power, existence, and love. It's in the middle when things are the worst that God shines the best. In your weakness, God's strength is made perfect. And I know this is true. How? Why, Dwayne? Why? Because when the disciples were in the middle of the sea and the wind and the waves were overtaking the boat, that's when they wake Jesus up and say, don't you care that we die? Jesus wakes up. Wiped the crust out his eyes. Good sleep he was having. And he gets up. He said, look, peace be still. He goes back to sleep. And then they say, what kind of man is this that even the wind and waves would obey him? It's in the middle of the battlefield that David fights Goliath. The Israelites on one side, the Philistines on the other side. David fighting a 10-foot giant. I hope he was taller than me. But it was right there that he kills Goliath with a slingshot and a rock. God shows up in the middle of imminent danger. It is in the middle of the fiery furnace that, that he shows up when the three Hebrew boys are put in there. And, and they said, boss, king, Nebuchadnezzar, I know we put three of them in there, but somehow there's four. It's in the middle that God shows up. Paul and Silas were thrown in the middle of the jail, not the outside part, the middle of the jail. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that they couldn't get out. But when they were in the middle of the jail, it's when the earth started to quake and their shackles started to get loose. I'm telling you, God showed up in the middle at the worst part of life when there was no hope to be found and God shows up to be the hope. God shows up to be the hope. God shows up to be the solution. God shows up to be the answer. And if he showed up for them, I promise you that he'll show up for you. He'll show up in your life story. I promise you that God's promises still stand. Yes, they are yes and amen. And he will bring us through the middle if we agree with him in his life plans for us. Look, some of us, some of us, some of us in here right now, we wouldn't even be here if God wouldn't have showed up. Some of us, you don't even know how you woke up this morning from the life that you might have had last night. Anybody ever woke up and just wanted to hit refresh? Come on now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You woke up and can't remember what happened yesterday. But somehow you still woke up that morning. God was there. Some of us have been sick. Some of us caught COVID and thought we was going to die. Some of us been broken on them ramen noodles. Some of us been divorced and thought we wasn't going to make it. But God showed up in the middle of every single challenge that you faced. And I promise you, they'll show up again today no matter what it is you are facing. 
Paul said that I may know God in, in the power of his resurrection. Look, I can tell you how good God is all day long. But some things you got to experience to understand the significance. It's your journey that you got to go through. It's the journey that you understand, not the destination. You see, after being in Joe's body and enjoying her brief stint of life, 22 didn't really want to return. She didn't want to go back. She wanted to be in Joe's body until she had found her spark, her motivation to live. She and Joe argued because she was reneging on her deal, and, and she had to give up that earth pass, and she didn't want to. They have an argument, and right when she decides to give it to him is when her badge is complete. She finds her spark, earth badge come. Joe gets the badge and he returns back to earth, gets back in his body, and he gets the chance to play in that gig of a lifetime. And he plays his socks off, has the most amazing time in his life. He had finally made it. He finally made it. After the jazz club closes, he's outside with the leader of the quartet. And he looks at her and he says, so what's next? And she said, teach. We do it all again tomorrow. And Joe's face began to change. His smile turns into a bit of confusion. This wasn't the response he was looking for. Somehow, this was very anticlimactic. He finally felt like he had made it, but where did he make it to? He goes home that night. And he rides the same subway that he rode when he was a middle school band teacher. His key opened up the door to that same apartment when he was a middle school band teacher. It turns out that Joe had only traded in one thing for another. And the thing that he wanted so bad, the destination that he wanted so bad, it didn't fill his heart the way he thought it would. It was just another thing. And his life was still relatively the same. You see, Luke 12, 15 tells us that life is not measured by how much you own. And it's not. It's not measured by how much you own, how much you can achieve or accomplish. But it's how you live that life that you were given. Did you live it to honor God? Or did you live it to honor yourself? Later, Joe pulls out random stuff out of his pocket that 22 had picked up. And he remembered the joys of life that she had experienced. 
pulled out a piece of crust. They was kind of pooping it out earlier when they had no body. Pulls out the piece of crust. Hmm, in his pocket. Pulls out a half-eaten donut. Hopefully it was Krispy Kreme in the hot time zone. He pulls out those helicopter seeds. Y'all remember when you were kids and you would throw the helicopter seed up in the, up in the sky and it would come down? He pulls all of those things out. Y'all remember the things that we used to enjoy when we were kids? Stuff that we kind of take for granted now. Those were things that Joe took for granted as well. And her zest for life and the simple things in it had captured him. 22 had reminded him that in his pursuit of jazz, he had missed out on living the life that he had actually been given. And it was finally there that Joe looked at his life differently. No longer as a failed musician, but a life that was full, that was blessed, that had touched so many lives, a life that counted, a life that mattered, much like yours. If you look back, you can see a life that's full, that's blessed, that's touched many lives. Joe returns to the great before to give the earth badge back to 22. But he had found out that she had turned into a lost soul. Lost souls were those souls that had become so obsessed with something that they were detached from life and reality. And he finally convinces her to take the earth badge back, knowing that he, in fact, could not return. 22 takes it and decides to take a chance on the exciting journey of life. And all that came with it. You see, at the end, we find out that 22's motivation to live had nothing to do with doing something. It had nothing to do with being anyone in particular. Her motivation, her spark to live was simply life itself. She just wanted to live. Don't you? And see, I don't know what it is that you're going back today to. But I want to tell you the truth. And I pray that your emotions line up with the truth of God's word. And not the other way around. Our lives, your life, is beautiful in the sight of God. And your life is meant to display who it is that God is. And it is meant to bring God glory. All of your quirks, your mistakes, the things that you've done when you've been high up here on the mountain or even low in the valley. Your whole entire life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, God takes that life and he mixes it all together and he makes something that is beautiful in his sight. Will you see your life the way God sees your life? It was meant to bring glory to him. But you know, darkness and confusion arise when we take ownership of this life. 
that's truly not ours. Our purpose and meaning in life cannot be found in life itself. But it is found in the heart of the one who created it. The meaning of life is found in the one, in the heart of the one who created it. Your identity is found in God, the creator of your life and mine, the source of all life. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us next Sunday online or in person. For service times, visit lifehousenn.com.